0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome to episode 50 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex Town, Josh Hopkins. Welcome, Josh. How are you, buddy? Doing well, Rex. How's everything in Brooklyn there? All well in Brooklyn. How are things in Austin? All, all hot, but I like it hot. Things are good. Things are yeah. good. Josh, we have a big guest today. Yeah, I can't wait. We have a big guest today. Uh, but before we get into that, um, what's been 50. going on, buddy? Episode fifty. We need uh, famous fifties in in sports history. First uh, one to come. You took mine. Ralph Sampson comes right to mind. Mike Singletary. Uh, oh. Yeah, and then I can't throw out uh, Mike Scott, the big snowman, played with me at Kentucky Greenup County. Softball. Softballs, he's got softballs, <laughs> Rex.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's uh that was uh, ended up being sort of a, a nickname and softballs, snowman,
1: softballs.
0: Uh, which brings me to one thing topical. There was uh, Austin Reeves. Uh, was has been dubbed the hillbilly Cody by some people, and he didn't really like like the nickname. <laughs> um, you should embrace that because that, that is a great nickname, and you can build a build a brand around that. that That's hilarious.
1: Yeah. It what is. are I some of you remember from the league? From, oh God! Uh, like all time nicknames? Yeah, More I mean. Well, Iceman and Doc and all that stuff. One of my favorite was there was a guy that played played for the Clippers way back in the day. And he was just sort of a, in fact, I think he played at a D2 college. Picture like Charles Oakley-ish, kind of like. His name was Ken Bannister. And Ken Bannister was not to be with. Like, he would jack you up had the greatest, most terrifying name ever. It's the only thing that anybody ever called him. He's Ken the Animal Bannister. 6'9", <laughs> <laughs> <Good. nine>, 290, <laughs> just Ken the Animal Bannister. And that's what he played like. Just reckless abandon, you know, would hurt you and not mean to hurt you. Ken the Animal yeah, Bannister. That's a, that's a
0: great one. You know, the ones that are like, become their names like yeah. magic
1: or jay that's just like oh yeah all timers you know they don't say hey irvin yeah um big george yeah, mirasan big george Murasan had a lot of nicknames uh, uh his main one that most people called him was gitza which in romanian apparently means, means little man so gitza <laughs> Is, yeah. uh was his main nickname. One that we gave him on one road trip, one long road trip, was King Nasty Ass. Uh, had a really, really bad uh, stomach for a couple of weeks. And I remember he got on the bus at one point, and, uh, and our assistant coach turned to him and said, no, nah, we, we should call you King Nasty Ass. <laughs> that stuff for a little while that's a uh. great
0: nickname. Uh, but you think
1: of, <laughs> nicknames
0: like Carl uh, Malone was a mailman yeah and I, I always thought that Alex Caruso should be called the accountant he just <laughs> looks like he's an, <laughs> what's he doing yeah. yeah what's he doing out there And then always delivers. You could say something. Counting always the
1: numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Okay. So um, book club, book club. Have you read anything this week? You know, this week I didn't read anything. How about you? Uh, I actually went down across the street. uh, Great, great little place. Got a bite. Sat there, beer came on back. What'd you read? That's what I read.
0: You read what that you you drank a beer and read
1: something? No, I just drank a beer. Oh, that's not reading. What that's just, yeah, that's just going out. Oh, and- right, yeah, so I, I, yeah, that's right. I didn't read anything. Oh, okay. Well, that's that biblical. Uh, Buddy, let's get to our guest. We need to. This is, I'm so excited. I I keep thinking if we were teenagers and getting ready to talk to this person as another fellow teenager at that time, we would be freaking out. Six time platinum album rapper, founding member of NWA and all other kinds of stuff. We have O'Shea Jackson Sr. What's up Ice Cube? How are you? Good, man.
2: What's happening, man? When I heard that, I thought a check was coming right after that. You know, what I'm saying? I heard my real name. I'm like, okay, must be a check coming, you know? Yes. <laughs> What's happening?
1: What's up with you? Man, it's so good. I, Josh and I were just talking uh, earlier about, man, if we'd have been 17 and 19, which is when, what is it, guys? Yeah, 34 years ago Today. Today. Straight out of Compton came out. We were saying we were saying at 17 and 19, I was at Kentucky playing basketball. Josh was in high school locally. If we'd have been like, you know what, we're gonna to talk to Ice Cube today. People would have lost their minds. We would we have lost, lost our minds. We would have lost our minds. And I, I wanna and I know it's a long intro, but I wanted to say this. I want to jump right into this. We'll get into basketball in a minute. It was 34 years ago today. y'all came out with that. Josh and I grew up in Kentucky in a little bit of a bubble. And you guys came out with hard-hitting, straight-to-the-root type issues, one of them being police misconduct. And my question to you is, when did you know about police misconduct? And why, at such a young age, come out saying things that, for people like us in Kentucky that were so controversial. When did you first know that there was an issue with with the police?
2: Man, I think I was probably uh um uh, maybe 7 years old. Um you know, we grew up, we we used to watch Adam 12 and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean, ships yeah. and you know, we used to be into all that kind of stuff and And they just swooped up on the grass and jacked me and my friends and we like little kids on bikes. And so, you know, it was a an an intimidation uh, situation. They was uh, just trying to let let us know what it was. And basically, this is how it is. And when y'all grow up, you know, we don't want to have to be over here. Uh, chasing y'all and and messing with y'all. We like sitting on our bikes looking at these dudes like they are aliens. We didn't know what the hell they was talking about, you know. But then from then on, we knew, okay, you know, every time I saw a police car in the neighborhood, it was just a bad feeling. You know, I just felt like if they didn't jack me, they was about to jack somebody in the neighborhood. So, you know, I think I think they wanted to instill that in us at a young age, you know what I mean? So they was doing stuff like that. They knew we wasn't doing nothing. We was on the grass. We was drinking out the water hose. We was just, you know, making little ramps. And and uh, they just tried to, you know, come in here and intimidate us. And uh, from then on, I just knew it was an issue. And then how,
0: you know, did it just bubble up inside you and that's uh... – a prolific artist as you are, but at that point, it just exploded into this art form uh, uh, that that you a genre you created basically gangster rap, which you called reality rap at the time, but it was coined as gangster rap. Um, did all that just bubble up and come out as that art as
2: soon as you started rapping? Well, you know, it's a thing where you know I can't say that I invented, you know. Gangster rap, reality rap. You know, I, I had listened to songs from from people like Melly Mel. You know, what I mean the message. Um, I listened to Run DMC say it's like that, and that's the way <laughs> it is. And uh, hard times. Um, you know, KRS One. You know, with uh, you know records like Criminal Minded, which was just kind of like a a, a visual. You know, Ice T, King T. You know, these are, are people who, who came out doing the music at the same time. Now, with, with, when it comes to me, you know, I wanted to be a rapper, you know, famous rapper like everybody else. I knew I couldn't say certain things and get played on the radio. So it took me a minute to develop, you know, my style. You know, what I did was I would do records that I was trying to get played but then I would do hood records that I knew that was just going to go in the neighborhood. You know, me and Dr. Trey would make mixtapes. And what happened was through those, through those tapes, I was I was able to release. I was able to talk about the things that I saw, the things that I was going through, the things that I felt. So it became a way to to actually fight back. So when it was time really to, to do records like, you know, with N.W.A., uh, and get into that, you know, I knew the records I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to talk about because I had the freedom to do it. You know, uh, EZE said, I don't care if this record ever gets played by anybody on the radio, we got to do these kind of records. And and so it, it became acceptable within our clique to let's try to make records and it's not just mixtapes, and that's kind of
1: how the ball got rolling. Steph Curry's record-breaking free pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, Ja Morant's poster dunk. NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards by making it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoeboxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Topshop will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.com. NBA Topshot.com slash B News and get in the game today. I, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm going back to, you know, my teenage years or uh, early 20s. And, you know, we were listening to, Josh and I were anyway, we were listening to you and to Chuck D and Public Enemy and Ice T. And many of the people in our world thought, that all of that music was the same, and it wasn't. And to see, you know, what you guys have gone on to do now, you know, all of you guys from Chuck D. And, and I, I love the fact that you guys are, are friends and friendly and respect one another's career. Talk about how your music was different at the time, even from Chuck D. and Public Enemy, for people that might not know.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Chuck D. was really... Um he was kind of ahead of his time in a lot of ways when it comes to what the music can really do. You know, us, we were trying to make a hit, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And then was actually trying to explain, you know, the, the, the culture that we were living in and explain the system that we were, um, being, um, you know, pushed by. So, it 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 changed you know a lot you know it's like yo this music can be more than just you know what sound cool what's a hit but you can actually you know try to teach each other in the music um and so i felt like yo that was kind of in some ways my job not not just to try to teach and show you know, black people—they already knew what was going on. But teach and show everybody what was going on and make everybody <clears throat> understand. You know why we're doing records like this, why you know these uh, situations exist, um, what's perpetuating them, and and um, and try to make it hit at the same time. So you know, it's uh, it's a it's a great way to to be able to do entertainment, but also be able to tell people how you feel about certain things and also be able to, you know, be clever and make people say, damn, you know, I learned Mm -hmm. something, but I learned in a very clever way.
0: Well, what was it? Cause you said you were making like, you know, these, at first easy said, I don't care if anyone hears it. And you said you were making this, these records for the hood. What was it like when suddenly it exploded and, and, people, 17 year old me, a white rich kid, it resonated with me in Kentucky and, you know, and enlightened me. I didn't know all this, you know, police brutality stuff.
2: And why do you think it resonated outside of the hood? It was the truth. You know, the truth resonates with everybody. Um, And that's why it worked. Um, When we were trying to make records like, you know, run DMC and, Uh, Beastie Boys and, you know, we was trying to be like the groups that we um, saw famous. It it just didn't work. When we started talking about what was real to us, um, everybody, you know, understood that this was something real and powerful. And so that's what made it work. It was true to itself. And that's what rap is at its finest is true to itself. It's not trying to fit into a, a box or politically correct um you know tied of the society. It's really trying to, you know, say what's real, but in a clever way, you know, over beats, rhymes. You know, it's it's still a sport in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? <laughs> you gotta, gotta know how to flow. You gotta have the right beat. You know, it's not just, you know, um talking
1: is a clever way to communicate 35 years though in the past 35 years going from a young very young man to where you to where we are today have there been times i mean when you put yourself out there socially like you do uh and have now for more than three decades have there been a has there been a time or two where you're just like i don't want to take these, you know, public bullets anymore. You know, I, this is hard. Have there been moments where you've been like, I don't want to be the one out in front talking all the time, pushing this stuff. It's not my responsibility. No, you know, it's really
2: about, you know, I feel like I'm a true artist. So, you know, once you paint the picture and put it up, you know, people going to love it or they going to hate it. You know people are gonna say "You're a genius," or people are gonna say that you know you're an idiot <clears throat> so you know that's that's really you know in the in the eye of the beholder, so to speak, you know what I mean, as an artist, once you put it up there, it's really up to 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 people how they accept it. Um, so you know I know when I say certain things it's it could be controversial in some circles, and so you know I expect. I expect a little pushback. I kind of feel like if I don't get it, then I'm, I really didn't, I really <laughs> didn't um, say push what needed <laughs> to be said, you know, to be honest, because, you know, everybody thinks they're right um, until somebody can show them that they're not. And so you got to have people always willing to push society in a direction that, you know, um, it might not want to go you know what i'm saying but it might need to go so you know um i'm just one man one opinion um so you know people gonna have their opinions towards me that's fine
0: well speaking of an artist you're uh, so prolific because now you've become a movie star you've written movies you produce movies you produce documentaries you how did you have the balls to be like, I could do all this? Like, were you just born with that? Or did you at some point go, you know, I'm a great artist and I'm just gonna seize control of, of my career?
2: Well, you know, um watching my peers and and seeing them be able to do remarkable things um and not, you know, pigeonhole myself or let anybody pigeonhole me. Um, is the key. You know, my father gave me a solid foundation. That's why, you know, I'm the man, you see. But when it comes to opportunities, I realize that I'm in a blessed position. And when an opportunity presents itself, um, if I'm going to do it, I need to take it serious and I need to do my best. And, and, you know, watching people like John Singleton, who discovered me, you know, I didn't want to be an actor. I didn't even think about it. I just wanted to be... The best MC in the world, you know, and so I'll like, call you Doughboy. Yeah, he 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 he, uh, he pulled me in. Doughboy was already written as the character, yeah. but he pulled. You know, he he pursues me for two years to do this movie. You know, he basically says, you know, you could do it, you you know, and I'm like, I don't even know he's gonna make a movie because the only guy I knew that made a movie. That was his age with Spike Lee well, Spike. And he Was in New York. So I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know, this is real. And so he was like, just stay with me. It's real. And he discovered me. And then I realized that was a great opportunity. And then um, he helped me become a writer. Uh, he helped me become a, a film um, script writer. And so we just, uh, you know, I'm thankful to John Singleton. You know, he's like an angel who came and, and took me to a whole new level. Um, and, and so, you know, I'll always honor him. And the only reason you see me doing so many different things in Hollywood is because John Singleton saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself at the time. So, wow.
1: you know, that's the blessing. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including our popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today.
0: I just want to say, first of all, No Vaseline is the greatest diss track of all time. And in in that, in Straight Out of Compton. Say loud for
2: the people in the back, man. Say it yeah. loud for the people <laughs> yeah. in the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
0: in that movie, Straight Out of Compton, that to me is the best scene is where they're all sitting around listening to uh, No Vaseline, the other members of NWA, and just like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> But that leads me to the, the, I just wanted to say that. That is so <laughs> awesome. I want to know, what was it like seeing your son play you in a movie
2: and well, Man, uh, I think the, the word surreal is used way too much, but I was having an out-of-body experience <laughs> on a lot of different levels, you know. In making that movie, you know, I learned a lot about N.W.A. Because, you know, what people don't realize is when I broke up with the group in 89, I virtually had little or no contact with anybody in the group. So I didn't know what they were doing. You know, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't at the pool parties. I wasn't at all of those wow. little things. So so I was discovering a lot of things in making this movie. So. That was a trip in itself. You know, I didn't know they sat around listening to No Vaseline, you know what I mean, until, <laughs> until Yella and when and people told me this is what happened. <clears throat> so, um, you know, it was a discovery for me. And then to have my son, um, who was actually the best person for the role, you know, he, he had yeah. to audition with five other ice cubes and he killed him. You know, what I mean, they, they, they had to give it to him. So at the end of the day, it was like, uh, I guess if I played on a team and won the Super Bowl and then my son comes right behind me and plays for the same team and Damn. win the Super Bowl, I guess that would be the feeling. I don't know if anybody has ever yeah. felt that in the world, but that's the only thing I can describe, you know, because he came right behind me with the same group, N.W.A., and became a movie star. I went through NWA and through that process have done pretty well in the movie game. So it's, you know, John Singleton took me from not being an actor, put me in Boys in the Hood, and, and the rest is history. F. Gary Gray took um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. from not being an actor, putting him in Straight of Compton. The rest is history. So it's just uh, been an amazing uh, ride as a father, you know, to see it happen.
0: Well, we've we been about sports for sure because you're such a big sports fan and aficionado, but I, I want to come clear about one thing. Um, I played, not with you, against you, basketball in that NBA Entertainment League. You remember that? Oh, yeah.
2: yeah I remember that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was on Morris Chestnuts team for years. We played you. And I just got to say, you can really ball. And a lot of people, a lot, especially in that league, it was all of so many egos, as you can imagine, in Hollywood, a bunch of actors playing. And some of them would just come in and just jack it up, and they were no good just because they were stars. Like I won't say names like Jamie Fox or anything, but a lot of people came in <laughs> would just shoot it every time like they were Michael Jordan. You were good, and you didn't. You wanted to win. You helped your team win. You weren't out there just playing games. So you were a real baller. And it was it, when you came in, it was fun because you were playing and not showing out, and you were good. So thank you for that. And then how did you become such a giant sports fan?
2: Oh, man, I got to say my brother, you know, my brother, CJ. He's my older brother. He's nine years older than me. And, you know what I mean? He would not let me win till I was (laughs) able to win. So it just gave, you know, that gives you the fight, the fire. He, uh, you know, he wouldn't let me play with him in the backyards with him and his friends. Cause it was too rough and he was like no 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 so when I got to the age where I could actually play and I was strong enough you know what I mean it was just an amazing moment and um he, he got me into football he just made sure that that I loved sports and that uh that I was talented you know he helped me at everything you know catching and shooting and, um learning how to um defend Mm -hmm. learning you know just the ins and outs and then he introduced me to he said come here man you got to watch this game with me I'm like 10 years old what game it's like Magic is about to play bird NCAA championship it's the biggest game ever (laughs) then he came a few months later and was like we got Magic Johnson I'm like what I'm the Lakers I'm like what so it just got me going you know and um I've been crazy ever since. Uh, thanks for saying that. You know, I did want to win. You know, I didn't never understand, you know, why people would shoot every time. You know, I want to get the ball to people and get it going and flowing and let's win the game. And uh, actually, the NBA Entertainment League made me concede the big three. You know, it's like once a week, guys wow. can heal, guys can recover, guys, you know, going – we went to a few different cities with that uh, in- entertainment e league mm-hmm. went to phoenix and played in front of people so it was it was cool i was like yo this could work you know <laughs> if it's if it's elevated so that's what sparked you know to even thought about doing something like this
0: Well, i went on those trips and did those things and i didn't think of it
1: Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I mean, we're we're in the we're in the middle of uh the fifth fifth year of the Big Three. I was in uh, before before we got on. I was telling Josh, you know, I was I saw you in in Lexington, and I think maybe I may have met you before that, but in Lexington a few years ago, the first year of the Big Three. And Chris uh, Mahmoud, formerly Chris Jackson, was there. Yeah. Different players. Um, you know, Kendall Gill was there, and the great thing about it being in Lexington there were thousands of people there that are Kentucky basketball fans that would wouldn't otherwise be able to see, you know, those athletes, you know, former NBA stars, but they would never get an opportunity to just randomly interact with Ice Cube. And you're all around the arena, you're taking pictures, you're meeting people. What has this been like for you to take this, you know, idea that you've come up with? It's televised nationally. You've got legitimate former stars of the NBA. And I want to thank you too for doing this. Uh, you know, not everybody saves their money. And you give an opportunity to, get to some guys who maybe not have had some rough times financially, giving them another opportunity to do what they do best in the half court is genius. And it's amazing, but anyway, what's it been like for you taking this thing around the around the country? Um,
2: you know, it's been a dream come true in a lot of ways. Um, you know, just being able to to, to put a lead together, um, and 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 you know, try to make sure that that the American public, you know, I want the world to love it, but I want the American public to embrace the lead. Uh, Going from city to city, seeing the fans come Uh, out—you know, not really understanding the game yet, but just let's see what you got, Cube, and leave the arena and enjoy themselves. You know, it's a lot different than the NBA game; a lot looser. You can, you know, you can walk down and get an autograph from Dr. J. You know, nobody gonna (laughs) tackle you. You know what I mean? So it was just uh, cool to be able to bring something fresh and new and take it around the country now we're in our fifth year people you know um really are getting into the intricacies of the leagues into our new players you know it's not just really about retired guys it's it's really about players who can play the three-on-three game because it's its own thing you know you can't be a spot-up shooter, and and that's your only skill, and be successful in three-on-three. Three. You can't just be a defensive guy and be successful in three-on-three. Three. You have to have all-around basketball skills. That's what people are understanding. And so it's just been a great ride. You know, it hasn't been easy. You know, I ain't going to lie. You know, we we hopefully we make it look easy, but for the most part, it's been um, the most fulfilling I've had you know a fulfilling experience
1: I've had throughout my whole career. Man, it's been, it's, it, it looks fantastic. So, just so you know, what we're watching, the product that we're seeing, the public is seeing, it looks like an Ice Cube production. Just so you know, for, for, uh, just, I, I wanted to get that out. But the, um, watching these guys courtside over the last few years, have there been, has there been a guy or two that, You're like, shit, I didn't know he was that good.
2: Man, all of them are (laughs) amazing players, man. Like, you know, just seeing the little tricks of the trade that they have to get loose. Um, We started off with two refs but they had so many tricks outside <laughs> of vision. It was like, we was like, we need three refs because, oh, yeah. man, they got every little, you know, trick of the trade. So you're watching craftsmen. You're watching guys who have honed their skills. It's not easy to get loose in the big three. You know, it's, it's you know, in a lot of ways, you know, you have to be able to break your opponent down. Yeah. Or, or pass it around and get open. So, you know, you have to use every little trick, you know, to, to be successful when they're doing it. So to see it, you know, the camera don't catch it off, but yeah. when you watch it, like, it's hand to hand,
1: steps. it's hand to hand combat out there most of the time. And you can see yeah. why, you can see why NBA referees get fooled so often. Right.
2: Without a doubt, you know, it's, it's easy to miss a call. You know, it's, Everything happening so fast, and three on three is is rougher than than five on five. You know, you you can't can't have a ticky tack game. You got to let guys battle in the paint, um, and and they do. Uh,
0: congratulations on that success too, because I yeah. I thought at first I was like, well, Ice Cube is such a businessman. I bet he's invested in like. Doctors that fix Achilles tendons because this is going to be a lot of problems in the big street. These guys, I have to know, we're coming up on the NFL season, and, and you're a Raiders fan. We all know you did your 30 for 30. Uh, what do you, um, straight out of LA, or yeah, uh, what you? Uh, yeah, what do you what do you feel like for this season coming up? I mean, you got Devontae Adams now. What? What? How you feeling?
2: Man, I feel like uh, it's a good team, but look at the division. Like the AFC West is the hardest division in football on paper, without a doubt. So, you know, it's not like I'm like you know happy to go through that gauntlet, but I'm, I'm I feel like if the if the Raiders can get through that gauntlet. Of the AFC West, then we are battle hard and we are ready to take the next step deeper to the playoffs, uh, hopefully the Super Bowl. So, you know, we made it to the playoffs last year. Now it's time to get a win and another win and and, and keep keep this thing moving. Keep it moving in the, in the right direction.
1: So I saw a little while ago. You you still and I want to be sure you still think the Lakers need to move LeBron. <laughs> I never said that.
2: (laughs) I never said that. Uh, You know, the Lakers, I think, (laughs) don't be lying on me, Rex. I think the Lakers, uh, you know, the Lakers had a rough season last year. It's not the first time we've had a rough season when we've brought in uh, a lot of different stars and personalities, but, uh, if they had to run it back this year i wouldn't be mad you know i think i think they're going to have a way better outcome this year than they had last year uh they all have a lot to prove they might have thought it was going to be easy and kind of doubted it in last year gotten cruise control but if they had to run it back i wouldn't be like oh man why we didn't get kyrie blah blah blah
1: speaking of that
0: go ahead there's- Crazy rumors and people speculate and it's just fun in a lot of ways. But one of them was that the Lakers could package A.D. and Russ, send them to Brooklyn for Kyrie and Durant, plus plus give them a first give Brooklyn a first round pick. Would you would you support that move? Would you do that if you were the GM?
2: Um. I don't like to get into everybody's business because being in the sports business myself <laughs> and how it is, I'm going to support whatever the front office of the Lakers do because they've always, at the end of the day, brought L.A. a championship. Um, I ain't going to start second guessing them. You know what I mean? I know when the, when the smoke clears, the Lakers will be where we're supposed to be, and that's you know NBA champs. You know, will it happen this year, next year, the year after that? Who knows? But I, I know we'll be back. I'm with you, you on that. Do you have a okay. Lakers, Rushmore? Like- um, yeah. I mean, Magic, for sure. Um, Kobe. Um, uh, Jerry West. Um, um, and let's see. Man, that last oh, one is hard. That's hard. last one is hard. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, the last one would be a three-headed monster. Okay. okay. <laughs> the last one would be a... You did have uh, a Shaq, Kareem, and Wood on it. You know, that last yeah. head just be yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of
1: stuff in there, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, Q, man, what's your favorite movie all time? Jaws great great answer of that
0: movie
2: it's a it's kind of a perfect movie in so many ways it is
0: I love it too that they couldn't get the shark to work, and that's what made the movie so good because you never they were going to show it early, but the fact that you didn't see it for so late is what made the movie it was it's one of the best of all time that's a great answer
2: yeah I mean you know it was it was it's a movie where um, I seen people jump up and cheer in the movie theater, you know, like like it was a you know a game, you know, it was like winning the shot or home run, you know, it was like a,
1: it was just a perfect movie to me. Why has nobody? Why has nobody uh, remade the fish that saved Pittsburgh? Because <laughs> the first one was so good, man. Can't <laughs> mess with perfection.
0: what uh uh yeah when i saw saw jaws my parents took me way too early i don't know what they were thinking and i watched with my feet up on the seat the whole time because i was scared to dangle them down uh Ah. what (laughs) what about uh front row center to watch any concert or any artist or anything dead or alive
2: um wow oh man Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, guess you gotta go with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> we're gonna
1: we we're gonna let you get out of here, Cube. Can't thank you enough, man. This has been an honor, a privilege, and uh big fan and 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 thank you for doing this.
2: Appreciate it, man. Tell everybody to watch our playoff games when we're coming live from Tampa this week. Some good games.
1: We're Appreciate honored. it.
2: Thanks.
0: Week three later. Thanks for all the all the smiles and and stuff I've learned from you and in, in every genre. It's it's been, been a real honor and pleasure to have you on, man. Appreciate it, Josh. Appreciate
1: you, man. Take it easy. What? That what? was cool. What? Oh, I mean, I mean, think about that.
0: So pro in in so many forms of art and uh society and and that was we could I mean I would have. I could have talked to him for two days asking him
1: questions no question I mean the guy is just uh, I mean again I I would catch myself looking at you on the screen and looking at him and thinking about 17 year old you talking to him at you know when we were back that age just a surreal sort of experience, right
0: It really, really was, like we were talking before, like I remember when when straight out Compton came out, you know and I'm being seventeen and riding around with my friends, and I you know introduced them to that and put it in the tape cassette tape <laughs> oh, yeah. and you know hearing "Fuck the police and and just blew my mind mm-hmm. and, and educated me to a, to a life that I was so polar opposite of and let me broaden my horizons.
1: I mean, and that is, that's what art should do. With you completely. And the fact that, you know, at the time, you go back, and th- this is a whole new genre, and we've seen so many, People come up, try, not make it, all of that. These guys were taking such a stand socially at when they were teenagers, right? Yeah. And and it's just amazing in society because when they I, I didn't get to touch on it, but when Chuck D and when Ice Cube and 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 these artists started doing what they were doing. Society, We had only seen really, you know, one other entertainer in our life who was black be outspoken like that. And that was Muhammad Ali. And he was still alive at the time in the mid 80s. Wasn't doing great, but still for these guys to take and put themselves out there socially at such a young age where if the public doesn't like it or, you know, you get pushed out for whatever reason, your career's over. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that—that's. It's not like you. Okay. Well, I'll just rebrand and try to do something else. Your career's over if it doesn't. You know, if you flame out. Yeah. Right.
0: It, it, it's just amazing that he was able to also evolve the yeah. way he, uh, you know becomes a movie star. Like I said, he wrote, he produced, he directed his own film. He, you know, and. You got to be
1: so effing smart and talented and driven. I mean, you know, driven. 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 Yeah,
2: that
0: was I'm going to remember that for a long time, right?
1: Me too, buddy. Well, well done. Uh, so much fun. Let's do it again next week. Want to? Yes, sir. All right. We'll be back. That was episode 50 on the Rex Chapman show with super dope Josh Hopkins right here on basketballnews.com.